Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of God Save the Screen. It is Friday evening. Uh, I hope you've got a nice weekend lined up. Uh, I've got a pretty low-key one. Going to the Arsenal game on Saturday, which should be good. Playing Wolves at home. We've won two games since I last brought you a podcast. Beat Brentford away last minute with Mr. Havertz scoring the winner. Uh, and then beat Lance, which I went to, uh, 1-6-0, which is awesome. Played really well. Basically, everyone scored. Happy days. Uh, got Kean of the Pot Shop Pod coming down for the game on Saturday as well. Always good to see him uh, and go pint for pint with him in the 12 pins. Um, I've been watching I'm a Celeb a lot on a different kind of British TV. And it's just getting too samey, I think. I don't even think it's a bad season of the show. It's just getting a bit too samey. Um, and it's not a great group of celebs either. I saw a review of it that just said, there's only so many times you can watch the same brand of celebrity jump out of a helicopter and get bitten by a scorpion, really. So I think they're going to need to revamp that show or do something with it, because I think people are getting a bit stale of it. A bit stale of it? No, they're not. It's becoming stale, so they're getting bored of it. There we go. So I need to revamp that. On this episode, I'll be reviewing Boat Story. Uh, it's a six-part comedy drama uh, that came out on iPlayer about a week ago now. I was really excited to review it uh, for reasons we'll get into during the podcast, but I figured it was going to scratch me in a lot of the places I itch. Uh, I was really excited to watch it, excited to review it. Uh, so let's dive into it. This is Boat Story. So when I scour what shows to watch for this podcast, or just generally to watch, I check sort of the major broadcasters for stuff that's just come out, or just about to come out, and try and work out when I'm going to watch it and how that work with a podcast. So if there's a show that comes out that I think I like the look of, but it's the third season, I've not seen seasons one and two, am I going to watch all that in time to do a review of season three? Is there any point? So I tend to sort of lean towards brand new stuff or sort of miniseries because it's going to take less effort for me to get through enough to do a podcast for. And when I came across this uh, a couple of days after it came out, I was pretty much sold straight away because it's the exact kind of, it was the genre blend of comedy and drama and the cast that really drew me in. So the lead two of Boat Story are Patterson Joseph, who, let's be honest, we all call him Johnson from Peep Show. Uh, but he's a great actor. I've seen him in lots of other stuff too. Uh, he's fantastic. Uh, and Daisy Haggard, who's sort of, sort of like in that um, that A tier of British TV actress blending comedy and drama. That is her whole thing. And she's excellent. Uh, also in Peep Show, actually. If you can tell me what part of Peep Show Daisy Haggard's in and who she plays, you'll get one God Save the Screen point, which you can cash in for fuck all, but it's a bit of fun. And also in, in the main supporting role, you had Cheki Kaido. I'm really sorry if I pronounced that wrong, which I'm absolutely positive I have. Uh, he played Baptiste um, in Baptiste, which was from the spin-off of The Missing. He was so good in that, and they gave him a spin-off, which British shows do not really normally do. Uh, he was excellent in that. And here he's the main villain, um, and he's great, and he's fucking sinister. Um, Kate Dickey also has a small role who I really like. Um, if you've not heard of Kate Dickey, watch Red Road, the film, and then watch every other film Andrea Arnold's ever directed. Okay? Uh, and it also had maybe one of my favourite ever cases of, holy shit, that's the guy from that. 
Adam Gillen, who is in Fresh Meat as Howard's sort of weird nerd buddy, Brian, who's in a few episodes. And in this, he plays quite a frightening, scummy drug dealer, but he's kind of got a mini like cartel thing in the north of England. Uh, and he's fantastic. The only really, the only reason I clocked it was him is because when he yells, he goes a bit kind of nasally in the same way. Um, his accent was different. Everything about him was complete. I had no idea it was him. He looked totally different. It was just because he got nasally when he shouted in fresh meat. He kind of goes, Howard, Howard. And he yelled and he kind of did the same thing in this, in a, yelling in a very different way. It was when he had a man upside down beating him with an iron bar, I believe. Um, so I loved that. Loved, the whole cast was brilliant. And on the show in general, there was a lot to like and a lot to dislike. And almost in episode order, you had the stuff to like and then the stuff to dislike came in. So I watched it in a Noah's Ark format, which means two by two by two. That wasn't by design, just so I could bring up Noah's Ark. Um, just how I happened to watch it. And I think I did like the Saturday I did two, then Monday two, then Wednesday two, something like that. And if you had told me after I'd done episode four of six, how many bad things I have to say about this show, I would have been shocked. Because the end of episode four, I was so jazzed up about this show, about how good it was, how much I was loving it. Everything about it nearly just grabbed me and I loved. And there was so much to dislike about the last two episodes. I cannot believe how much negativity this review is going to contain because this show fully had me for so long. Uh, so I'll go over what I liked, what I didn't like, what I really didn't like, and then kind of sum up at the end. Uh, but for now, let's get into the stuff I actually liked about Boat Story. So what I was struck very early on by was that it was kind of going all in on the crime element of this, which was a really good thing. Often when you get TV shows try and blend comedy and drama, but the drama side's quite fucking dark, they try and dilute it a lot because they're like, oh, it's meant to be a comedic show as well, so now we can't have the crime stuff get too serious because it's... It's a comedy as well. We can't have this. And you just end up with kind of a damp, sort of limp kind of show that doesn't really do comedy or crime or drama very well. This, very early on, tells you with the brutality it shows you and does not shy away from, this is a crime show with some funny bits in it and a kind of slightly wackier sort of narrative framing of it all. But they don't shy away from the brutality of it at all, which is fantastic. You know, you had the knife fight on the boat very early on. The absolutely harrowing police shootout scene. They show you all these characters that you meet for the first time and they really quickly give them a little bit of characterization and you think, okay, these might be the new characters that are going to try and catch people to stop the cocaine. And they're just fucking blown away. It's absolutely brutal and brilliant. This is exactly what it should be. It's the most common misstep a lot of these kind of shows fall down is not doing either thing well. And they kind of assist each other, actually. The crime story being good allows it to play out like a crime show with just some funny bits spliced into it. It doesn't need to be completely unnatural to be funny. It 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 sort of one one genre kind of plays off the plays off the other, kind of assists another. A lot of the humor of this is what's happening in this certain situation, because the premise is they are normal people that find a boatload of cocaine. And there's humor in that, and it doesn't need to make anyone too goofy or too wacky uh, to be funny. It can just be a little bit funny, but primarily a crime show. 
Um, and very few characters have plot armor, which is very surprising for this kind of show. And the show does jump between timelines, so you get some snapshots of the present, so you know the whole time um, Samuel, played by Patterson Joseph, he survives. Um, because you see him watching a play of the events um, and him planting a model of his own head in the grass, or looking for it, rather. So you're thinking he's faked his own death. That's really interesting what happens there. So they do that really, really well. And yes, yeah, so a, lo a lot of the humour about the characters, I mentioned none of them were too wacky or goofy. They had their kind of the hints of it, but never went too far with it, with like the dim-witted copper and the terrifying henchmen. They were they were caricatures, I suppose, but it never felt... It felt like in a real-world setting. It never took you out of it. So jokes like where you had the... I'm gonna, I can't keep calling him the dim-witted copper. Officer 2 was his name. I call him by his name. You had him doing the corkboard thing, but he didn't know anything about the case, so it was just a picture of the, the crime scene and a voucher and some string connecting them and him staring at it, like stroking his chin. That's funny, and it's natural, and it also acceler helps accelerate the plot a bit. You have characterization and plot at the same time, which a lot of these shows don't manage. They try and comp um, compartmentalize humor and drama, and this did it perfectly. That's actually why I couldn't get on board with Back to Life, which also starred Daisy Haggard, because um, the premise of that show is great. It's about a woman that gets out of prison after serving a sentence for murder, um, but it completely dilutes the reality of prison life and coming out of prison and what she did, and it tries to be a funny crime show instead of a crime show that is a bit funny, and it, it doesn't work. So this did that perfectly. Love the framing of it, and that's what really grabbed me in early on. And the characterization of our main two was really good, and they developed as the story went on. But again, not in a really stupid way. They didn't suddenly become hardened, terrifying criminals after 35 minutes of screen time. But you see them gradually becoming a bit more sinister as their situation becomes more dire. Um, you had that heartbreaking scene where Daisy Haggard says hideous things to her stepson to try and, for a good reason, to try and get him away from a dangerous scenario. But that was horrible to watch. They do devise this plan to have these, again, horrible people, but they do devise a plan to get them all killed. They are suddenly becoming so much more sinister than these normal people would have thought they could become, or we thought they could have become. Uh, and it's really good to see. The unlucky, goofy image kind of gradually goes away, and you're suddenly just watching people doing bad shit. Um, and they do that really well. That's There's that line in... Um, it's in Horrible Bosses too, where... Um, Jamie Foxx, who plays Motherfucker Jones, he says to them, look, you always come in here like you're just goofy, unlucky people, like happy-go-lucky, ah, oh, this happened. Like, no, you're criminals. Like, and that's that's the best bit of that film. That's actually really good. Um, the only good part of White Lines, in my opinion, was Daniel Mazur's character, who is that quote-unquote normal guy who was driven to do really bad, dark things by a situation you don't necessarily despise him and you certainly don't really like him for it you're just seeing what normal people will do to survive uh and i really enjoyed how they did that in this show uh, a small thing they did that i really liked and this is a very small thing but i really liked it is when it kind of tells you the start of the episode Vinny, played by adam gillen is going to get betrayed by someone he knows and they do the very 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 ott last supper shot where it's basically the last supper but they're all in it and a thing i've sort of changed my opinion on the last year or so 
I don't fucking care if something's on the nose if it's good. I actually think that's usually just the way to do it, and I think subtlety can be very overrated. And this show, when it wanted to tell you something, it told you something. In fact, at one point, the narrator tells us important things happen on benches, and then something important happens on a bench. I kind of think if you've got to watch a YouTube video or read a Reddit post to work something out, it might have been too obtuse. That's not an exact rule, obviously. Sometimes people are slow, or sometimes subtlety can help a show, especially if it's underpinned by other acts of being over the top or really in your face. Um, but I like they just said, yeah, he's going to get betrayed. Yeah, this guy might die. Important things happen on a bench. I like that it actually was clear with you. Um, as I said, I think stuff to become overrated. So I really liked that. And the last it, supper thing with all these scummy criminals was actually really funny. Uh, and another thing they do really well, which I loved and did not expect from this show, and the fact it did all these things that I didn't expect really right and then did the stupid things later on really pissed me off. But they humanized Guy perfectly. So Guy is the generic henchman that you see kill a shitload of people and is very... It's like they typed into AI, give me a henchman, and he popped out. But they gave you... a kind of, Yeah, they did give him a human side, actually. It wasn't a particularly lovable human side. I didn't say, oh, Guy, I'm so sorry, buddy, I love you. He's a scumbag for killing all these people for money. But they do show you that he has hopes and dreams and a family that he struggles to connect with because of what he does all day. Um, they show us the human side. They don't just say, oh, uh, my mum's sick, so I have to do this for money. Or, um, oh, you know, I, uh, you know, my son needs um, to do his uh, driving theory and I don't have 80 quid or... Like, just that sort of, like, pathetic characterization you get for some villains. Um, and I mentioned on my last episode, when I uh, covered Shetland Season 8, Episodes 1 to 4, Shetland does exactly that with Hal. He does all these terrible things, and he's doing all these terrible things, and throughout the course of the show, all we see him do are terrible things, and they try and make you, like, empathize with him or feel something for him, because they just he just says... Oh, my mum's sick. And I went on a big rant about how, why can't our villains just be villains? And they did this really well, because our villain is just a villain. But they have that amazing scene where he wants to give it all up and wants to make pots like his like his grandfather did. And he goes to a pot-making class, and he can't fucking make pots, and that makes him angry and furious. And he's furious at himself for, for going to make pots like some coward pot-making wanker instead of just killing people and they do that so well because they show you not how he became this but how he maintained being like this because he was so scared of failing and doing anything else and he was just too late to change and that went back to that conversation on the bench he had the important conversation with officer two where he said about being the guy that does shit and makes a change and he fucking couldn't. And they did that so well. And even though Guy was a fucking monster, it was a bit heartbreaking. They did it brilliantly. They gave such strong characterization to not just the main two, but a lot of the scummy criminals. We saw Vinny believed in fate and wanted that empire. He wanted that so badly. And Guy just wanted to make pots, but they couldn't change. And I, they did that brilliantly. And I'm talking so positively about this show, but just wait, because I'm going to get really fucking mad in a minute. I can't believe how good this show was for so long. 
characters were brilliant in a six episode mini series i would say there are about five or six characters they we knew more maybe eight or nine characters we knew loads about actually and really felt stuff with even the character that died at the end of episode two the one whose boyfriend was the policeman that died in the boat it felt like he was going to be a really big character we knew a bit about him we liked him he was having to hide through no fault of his own they mistakenly thought he was involved and then he's blown away there was no plot armor it was brilliant this was such a strong show because they didn't water it down the cast was fantastic no one had plot armor And then episode five happened. So how I think I'm going to do this is I'm going to talk about the small things I didn't like. The kind of wanky bullshit stuff that you shouldn't even really notice when you're watching a BBC drama. I just do because I do a podcast. And then I'll talk about the main stuff. The two disasters, as I'm calling them. Because there were two disasters in this show. So in terms of just some slow stuff, um, it was a bit slow to set it up. Um five minutes dedicated to a knife fight on the boat that eventually washes up when both the characters die and we know nothing about them or care about them because all we see them have is a knife fight. Unnecessary. It took a while for us to get to the cocaine on the boat. And I know they did Janet's whole backstory to show how horribly wrong she was in the factory. And that itself, that was okay. Um, but it took a fucking long time to get to the cocaine on the boat. I kind of feel like if your premise for a story is two strangers that are normal people find some cocaine on a boat you should have the cocaine in the boat and then finding it quite early on and it took a while to get there so i veered back and forth on thinking whether the show was overproduced and at times it felt a bit wanky and a bit much with i don't think the narrator added loads and the sort of french style cue card things they had flash up overall it was fine but one thing they did with this that i really didn't like was it kind of the same thing Fleabag did, where they don't have canned laughter, but they kind of do. So in Fleabag, Phoebe Waller-Bridge would often break the fourth wall and talk to the camera or just look at the camera. And a few times, her character would say something, and then she'd break the fourth wall and just stare at the camera smugly. That's telling you when to laugh. That's telling you, oh yeah, I've done a thing. I'm going to look at the camera now. Laugh now. So it's kind of like canned laughter, and I didn't like that, because it is telling people when to laugh. And I think if you're not a sitcom, you shouldn't really do that. In sitcoms, I don't mind canned laughter. But in the, I, I, if, it felt a bit cheap. And how Boat Story does it is the narrator will kind of add in, jump into some dialogue and just say, like, yeah, or that's right, or, or something like just that doesn't add anything, doesn't actually narrate it's kind of just telling the audience, oh, that was funny. That was funny. Uh, I didn't really like that. Uh, but again, a small thing. The big things. The ginormous, gargantuan, monstrous disasters that mean I'm going to speak so negatively about this show, having loved it for so long. And both happen in the final two episodes. The first one, the play fake out. So I said earlier the show jumps between present day and the past. So the majority of the story is told in the past. And then in present, one of the main ways we're told about what's happening is someone, Samuel, played by Patterson Joseph, knows, has made a play about the events. And so we're seeing the play. And it's funny because the play's terrible. And it's funny watching shitty actors in a play. Always a good laugh. 
And you see, it's quite clever how the playwriters adapted and just straight up lied in some ways. And it's funny. It's funny to watch those events coincide. And at the end of episode two, there's a brilliant ending where the person playing Samuel in the play says, I knew that boat was going to be there and I wasn't just walking my dog that day. And everything I've told Janet has been a lie. And the credits roll. And you're thinking, fuck. Oh my God. Is he even a gambling addict? Is how, Was he involved in the crime? Oh my God, maybe he's gonna, he has been a bit more sneaky than Janet. Wow. Oh my God. And Janet even said at the start, don't fuck me over. He's going to fuck her over. Oh shit. Set your mind racing. It was such a cool add-in. Because um, it doesn't ruin anything for you at all. You're thinking the whole time, oh my God, how's he going to fuck her over? And then you're watching episodes three and four and five and thinking... Oh, man, is this he going to fuck her over here? Oh, no, Janet, get out. You're worried about Janet. Shit, what's going on? And then the play ends in episode five. And the playwright says to Samuel, so what do you think, buddy? And Samuel says, well, that's a fucking lie. I didn't know the boat was going to be there. Why did you do that? And I couldn't believe what what I was seeing. So they... It, it's like the writers are taking the piss out of you because the the right the playwright in the show who was obviously the writers says oh yeah but it kept kept you watching didn't it no one left after the interval so it's the writers telling us yeah we lied to you and it completely baited you the fuck out but you watched it so we win it's not like a ha ha comedy joke it is the writers taking the piss out of us for believing what they told us was going to happen in a story flashing between past and present and justifying it by saying, oh, but you're still here, which to me is not only just fucking irritating, but it represents a huge lack of faith in the story you're telling us. You didn't need to lie to us and tell us this twist was coming. I already really liked the story. I was going to come back anyway. Don't get me wrong, the twist at the end of episode two when you think Samuel's been lying the whole time that was great, but it was great anyway. You didn't have to do this. How can how can we not be underwhelmed now? Because you spent over half the show thinking, he's going to betray her here. Oh God, what's going to happen? Oh shit, Janet, get out. Samuel, you bastard, you've been lying. You've been lying. Oh my God, he's a criminal. No, shit. And it was all to have a little laugh at the audience, which really pissed me off. And I don't even buy that it was to keep people watching, even though they tell us it is. Because you wrote a good show. You wrote a good show. And it's so cowardly and pathetic to have that. Um, And what even makes it worse, it wouldn't have been hard to write a plotline where Samuel actually was involved in some capacity. That almost could have been more interesting if Janet finds out and what do they do and how Samuel involved and why they're trying to kill Samuel if if he was a criminal. It wasn't like they said, oh... Uh, Samuel's actually an alien and he's going to shed his lizard skin in episode... F- like, it wasn't a ridiculously implausible plotline to believe or write, for fuck's sake. Yeah. So that's disaster one. The ridiculous play fake-out lie. And the second one. The cannibal. Fucking why? Why do you have to make the main villain played by the fellow who played Baptiste, because I'm not saying his name again, because I can't say it. Why does he have to be a cannibal? Why have you done this? 
why couldn't the main villain who we've been following and for five and a half episodes up to six just be a terrifying villain with a weird mummy complex who will kill anyone that gets in his way and loves money and loves this northern woman because of said mummy complex why isn't that enough why does he have to be a fucking cannibal because the story the boat story i suppose is pretty much wrapped up halfway through episode six so you got about half hour left and they decide to basically end the show on a weird little side quest where this film that the show has been flashing between and the tailor who is baptiste kind of has either based his life on but then you realize is it actually about him or is he in it like how, how does this film relate to him and the kind of twist is that he was watching this film when his father murdered his mother and as a coping mechanism has kind of adapted the personality of it because the film ends with him eating an old woman he wants to eat an old woman and he sees a woman in episode one that looks like that woman so he wants to eat the woman so janet has to stop the woman being eaten why did you do this like why why did this happen and i actually did think about that why have they put this in because i watched the show closely and i could not tell any fucking hints that he was going to be a cannibal and i think they've done this because they wanted to give janet a happy ending but realised when writing it, this is what it felt. It felt like they realised when writing it. She's kind of been a bit shitty throughout this whole time. Like, she kept putting her people she loved in danger. And, you know, I know she had a bad time. But she has been incredibly greedy and trying to get people killed. And we haven't made her that likeable. Fuck, okay. Oh, let's write this in so she can save someone. It was fucking bizarre. The main story was gone. They've got the money. Main characters aren't dead. So what happens next? And instead they added in this cannibal thing. With no other pre-warning there was going to be a cannibal thing. I'm just so sad they did this. And so Janet goes in and saves her. and they, uh, That's why they did. They wanted Janet to be heroic. But there could have been so many other ways. And why does she have to be heroic? She can get a happy ending and be kind of a shit or an empathetic person with one hand you know i understand why i should take the money but they 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 make they make him a cannibal why do they make him a cannibal i uh this really took me out of the show i i was so angry at this um so yeah main villain cannibal play fake out it was really bummed me out man I loved this show. I, I I was ready to scream from the rooftops about how good this show was and everyone should watch it. But then you add in a play fake out and a random cannibal. It, it just, you just lose me a bit. And then another thing, and this is kind of in between the two disasters and the other little things, but the ending, even after the cannibal, is a bit weird. They just kind of rush through all these epilogues. So Samuel gets arrested, but uh, the case is thrown out. Oh my god, it's thrown out. Why is it thrown out? How did this happen? What was the legalese around this? Did Samuel as a lawyer like call in some favours? Did he do something? They just tell you in one line. C case is thrown out. Uh, Janet somehow escapes, despite being wanted by everyone in the world now. Escapes to Cuba. 
Um, I'm thinking if you are accused of shooting up a police station, you get fucking arrested unless you're unbelievably well connected in the world of organized crime. Uh, she just escapes. Um, and that's fine. And I don't even care. It's not believable. She doesn't escape, but I would love to have seen how that seems like a much better use of the last 25 minutes of the show than she saves um, a, a woman from a, a cannibal. And then also, and this one's a bit morbid. I think Ben too kind of died for nothing. Cause he was actually wrong about what he thought happened. Guy gets killed by someone else, which I actually liked as an epilogue in all fairness. I just love the idea that he's made too many enemies and gets killed. So I love that was low key. But the tailor's already been murdered. Samuel got off, got away with it anyway. Janet the skit. So we kind of did die for nothing. Um, and it's a good thing they didn't make him some massive hero that solved everything and saved the day. That would have been stupid. But he didn't actually have any impact. Why am I saying it like he's a real person? I can just say it without offending anyone. He died for nothing. And that almost feels like they didn't mean to write it that way. And it was heroic. Of course it was. And he was on to people for the wrong reasons. But I feel like they could have actually have him solve something properly. Ugh, this fucking show. Ultimately, I think this is a decent show. But I, I'm i struggling to even say it's decent, which is stunning to me. Because I was ready to put this into my A tier of British miniseries, crime dramas, and I've watched a fucking lot of them. It's not so much that the wheels fall off. It's that you're placed into an entirely different car that has really stupid triangle fucking wheels. It becomes a different show once the main guy's a cannibal. Because the play thing, it's really bad. But it doesn't alter what I'm the present story. It doesn't alter what I'm actually watching. It was just a shitty writing trick. The cannibal thing completely takes you out of the story and has a much stupider side mission be the ending. And I hated that. They add in two things in the last two episodes that make the show objectively worse. Um, and if you if you watch this show and you liked those things, I would love to hear from you why and talk about it because I, for the life of me, cannot understand why anyone that wrote it or edited it or directed it or starred in it thought, yes, the cannibal thing, that's fucking brilliant. Get that in there. The play thing, I almost understand if you're writing a show and you're competing with Netflix and Amazon Prime and all the fucking rest of it. Of course, you know, ITVX is better than those things. But if you're competing with all that, I guess I get how you can want to keep people in so desperately you do this horrible writing trick. It still annoys me, but I can almost, if I try incredibly hard, understand it. The cannibal thing, no. No, no, no. Not for me. This show had so much to love. It blended genres brilliantly and was a genuinely gripping crime show for most of it. I found the plot so genuinely interesting, which I did not think. I thought it was going to be a goofier, wackier, happy-go-lucky crime plot. It wasn't. It was fucking terrifying at points. And they just made some crazy decisions with the plot later on that at least partly spoiled it. And I think that's a shame. 
That is about it from me, guys. Thank you so much for listening. That one was a roller coaster, but not like Nemesis, like Stealth, where it just went up and down, because uh, that's very much how the show went. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, as usual, any feedback, hate mail, criticism, love, anything at all is so helpful in these early stages of the podcast. Uh, if you want to talk to the podcast, or I guess that's just me, want to talk to me, I'm on Twitter at GSTS Podcast. Uh, if you'd rather email, it's gstspod at gmail.com. And as usual, a huge thank you to Mr. Alex Towles, who edits this podcast, puts the music in it, makes it a podcast. This would not exist without him. Uh, if you want to find him and abuse him or hire him to edit stuff for you, uh, he's on Twitter at Alex Towles. That's Towles with the two L's. And he's actually a nationally ranked kite surfer. So think about how cool it would be to have him edit your podcast. That's all from me, guys. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye.